0: The Paul Leslie Hour Helping people tell their stories And now, your host, Paul Leslie
1: Hey, it's me Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Matthew Copperood of the band Close Talker They have a brand new album out now How Do We Stay Here, which has been released independently and available worldwide They are on the cusp of an international tour, playing Mm -hmm. in places like Germany, the Netherlands, then back to North America, Canada, the United States. They've been recognized by National Public Radio and publications like Billboard, Spin, Q Magazine. Matthew Kabiru, thank you very much for making time to call in and talk to us.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Where are you in the world right now? we just never know with a band like Close Docker?
0: <laughs> fair enough right now, I am actually in my home city here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, so Central Canada. That's home for actually all three of the band members here
1: so tell me what what kind of place is this? I'm sure a lot of people listening have never been there. Could you describe it for us?
0: fair enough sure yeah so we're we're right in the middle of Canada. So we're we a 20-hour drive from Vancouver, British Columbia, which I'm sure most people have heard of. And then we're a 30-hour drive from Toronto. So we we can safely say we're kind of in the middle of nowhere, but I think in part, that's why it's so charming. So Saskatchewan, the, the province as a whole, only has a little bit over a million people. So we're quite small and it's primarily farmland. And uh, it's very, very flat and vast and, and beautiful and I, I can I can vouch for our sunsets. We have very very gorgeous sunsets. But all all this to say, in the wintertime, one fault we have is it gets just painfully cold. So for us as as musicians and as creatives, it's that's when we're that's when we hold up inside and we we write music and we write and record records. is because it's there's just simply isn't the option to go outside. So
1: uh, <laughs> living
0: in Saskatchewan it has its perks, but it also has its. Uh, has its quirks as well, but one of them actually, we've kind of learned to hone that and and turn it into a perk. So we just we just write music in winter when it's minus forty out.
1: Why are Canadians so nice?
0: <laughs> Why are Canadians so nice? <laughs> oh gosh, I I'm not uh, I'm not convinced we are. well <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I can't speak for all of Canada, but I will vouch for our home province, Saskatchewan. Here, there's definitely a camaraderie. So. We're we're in a city called Saskatoon. There's only about 250,000 people, so we have we have everything you might need as far as like stores and and entertainment and things like that. But it is still kind of like a small town vibe. Like if you are pulled over with your hazards on, likely someone is still gonna like pull over to check to make sure you're okay, even though everyone has a cell phone and can call the tow truck and whatever. So I'm not sure why it was so nice, but <laughs> definitely in Saskatchewan, there's a an element of assuming the best from one, one another until proven otherwise. And sometimes in a big city, it can kind of be the opposite. It's like, what do you want from me? Whereas where we're from specifically, and especially in, in the music scene where we're from, there's definitely an element of like everybody celebrates everybody. No one's threatened by the success of another. Everyone's truly in each other's corner. So we're, we're thankful to be from here for that reason.
1: What are the influences of the band?
0: Oh gosh, this is a this is a heavy question. So we we've been a band for nearly 6 years now. So we our our artistic Venn diagram has overlapped quite a bit between the three members and there's certain bands that are are a favorite for all of us. So I can say with confidence that a band like The National from Brooklyn is one of our favorite bands. Radiohead from the UK is one of our favorite bands. And I think we like these bands because they really have stuck to their guns and and their integrity or even their the, like sonic sound hasn't really been influenced by time or or um what's happening in in culture in like pop culture in like a sonic sense they're just like really doing what they want to do and they're kind of sticking to their guns so as as a band we try to emulate that as well and we try to just create music that is authentic and sincere and important to us so we try not to Try not to let too much outside influence in. That being said, those bands that also share that desire to to disregard outside influence kind of in turn influence us. So I'm sort of contradicting myself. But yeah, we like The National. We like Radiohead. But I mean, there's tons of bands we like. But those those are like some safe... They, they get a lot of airplay in, in the band van. And what about you personally, Matt? Your favorites? Mm-hmm. My favorites my favorites fall into that category as well. Right now I've been listening a record that came out a couple of years ago by Phoebe Bridgers has got a lot of spins by me. What else? I'm, I want to kind of look over to my record shelf. Um, oh, Grizzly bears. One of my favorite bands. Oh man. I really, really like Wilco. They're from Chicago. They, they have a record that came out like over 10 years ago, but it's called sky blue sky. And that's one of my favorite albums, especially. So I'm a guitar player and the, the guitar work on that album is very very unique and very very cool so I've definitely drawn from that as far as influence goes or and and all these records I think I'll just say uh, have kind of stood the test of time for me so that's sort of a testament to whether they enter my my category of favorite is if I still love them years later because of course I think with with everyone and, and most things like you can, you can see a movie in the theater, and it was like really impactful and special, but maybe when you watch it again for the second or third time, maybe it's, it's lost some steam for you. And I think for my favorite albums, there hasn't been a sense of like losing steam. If anything, I, I've come to appreciate them more as I kind of dig deeper and peel it back like an onion.
1: Very interesting. So I'm hoping you can tell us about something that I found fascinating I was reading sure. about this thing that you did as a band. Mm-hmm. North America's first ever 3D 360 degree silent headphone concert series. Who came up with that and t- tell us what <laughs> is that exactly?
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a fair question. So it's it's a it's a mouthful. So yeah, we we started 18 months ago working on this what was at the time just an idea, it was just a hypothesis and we wanted to so it stemmed we we were just literally in our band band and we were trying to kind of selfishly break our own wheel we wanted to do something different as a band for our next album we didn't want to just release a few singles release a music video and release an album and kind of do the the typical so for us as a band buzzwords for us are are intentional we're very very intentional about everything and we try to curate every piece of content and we if anything, our, our greatest crutch is that we care a lot, <laughs> which is good, but it can also kind of be crippling at times. So anyway, we had this very, very ambitious idea, but it stemmed from, from the idea of we wanted to just have a listening party for a new record because artists scrutinize over every small detail in, in the studio context. And it's, we're very appreciative when people care or notice the the small decisions we decided to make to hopefully cater to a stronger and more special product. So anyway, we wanted to have this listening party. And then we thought, hey, let's have a listening party in our hometown and let's have headphones so people aren't tempted to, to talk or get distracted. And they can really just lean into the music and they can pick up what we're putting down and hear all the little nuances that we care about. And then we thought, wait a second, we're a band. We can play our instruments. Why don't we play our new record live? and have people see it with headphones. So then it evolved to that. But then, of course, we learned that's been done before. That's not a new idea. It's called silent discos, and they're, they're primarily popular in Europe. But lots of artists in North America as well have done headphone concerts. So then it was kind of it evolved and it was sort of a perfect timing, but also a little bit of a race to space idea where we wanted to take kind of the rise in tech in 3D audio because of virtual reality and 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 people in that realm have been developing these things. And truth be told, like 3D video has come a long way. And audio, quite frankly, has been playing catch up. But anyway, we had this idea to do a 3D, 360 degree binaural silent headphone concert, which is a mouthful. So we called it immersion. So we had this idea to do this immersion tour. And then <laughs> all this to say, I'm getting there, I promise. We met some really intelligent people at the, at the right time that kind of hit us in stride. So we were the enthusiastic guinea pigs. And then the actual smart people that developed the software live in France. They're a company called Flux. And then we also hooked up with a company in Montreal. And we like flew our sound tech down there to to train and learn all these things. So this software that was at the time still in beta testing, we were going to be the field agents and we were going to test it and take it. It's all existing science, but we're we're taking it and applying it to a live music context and the reason it's impressive is because we're able to process live 3D audio in real time without latency so that means like under 10 milliseconds so that there's no detection of you know if i strum my guitar and it swirls around your head in 360 degrees on all axes without any latency so it's a lot of processing power there's a lot of moving parts and uh But yeah, we worked on it for 18 months and we solicited some enthusiasm, which initially was kind of tricky because it was just an idea on, uh, quite honestly, Paul, I was on the phone with people for like a number of months and I would, the conversation would go something like this. It would be, Hey, we have this crazy idea. It's never been done before. It's high risk. Do you want in? (laughs) So it was, it was kind of, (laughs) it was, it was kind of an uphill battle in some respects. But thankfully, the, the right people believed in us at the right time and with a lot of growing pains, and a lot of back and forth and a lot of effort by a lot of people, we were able to pull it off. And it was truly like a really, really special, meaningful concert experience. So for us, we didn't want to take it to a gimmicky place and like make you dizzy and have the instruments swirling around your head or rising above you or sneaking up behind you all night. We, we wanted to showcase the music in a meaningful and powerful way. So we, we chose our moments when to utilize moving the instruments live in real time. But for the most part, the the thesis and the really the guts of the night was we were putting the audience in the center of the music. So the music was literally placed all around them. So it's like they're in the middle of the band and because everyone has headphones and every seat is identical, there really isn't a bad seat in the house, so it was really special, I think, for the audience and for us as a band to just kind of like enter this new realm of live live music. It was really really special. How interesting,
1: man! Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I could be a witness to something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was kind of a, a little bit exclusive by nature out of the gate, just because we only were traveling with about seventy headphones. But what was what was kind of special as well is that we were because we don't have a PA system, so there's no speakers. So literally if you take off your headphones, it's it's silent. So that was like really interesting and strange. So for example, if you didn't have headphones and you were just working at the venue and you like walked across, like we're jamming out and look as though we we're playing quite loud, but and then there's seventy people sitting there all kind of swaying silently. It was very like creepy <laughs> kind of <laughs> But yeah, and and because because there was no sound, we were really able to exercise and celebrate the fact that we could do it absolutely anywhere. So we partnered with unique venues. So we played in fancy art galleries across Canada. We played on rooftops. We actually played in the warehouse of a really cool brewery in Hamilton. So a room that like acoustically, it should have sounded awful. It was like this huge cavernous 10,000 square foot you know, warehouse with tin cans everywhere, but because of the way we we're able to control the audio and we had everything close mic and we were very selective with our equipment, it actually sounded fantastic. So it was really interesting that we could just kind of play in unique spaces and offer this unique experience. And, and another special thing we did that I should mention is it was important for us as a band to kind of acknowledge that we were guests in all of these cities so we partnered with a visual artist in every city and they would offer and manipulate their craft live in real time. And they would like change things with the music. So we had a visual artist component in each city. So every night was truly one of a kind because of the space, because of the artist and because of this 3d silent headphone experience, which was, is is cutting edge. And, and I, I hope that it grows beyond close talker. I would love to see a, a silent headphone venue in every major city. I, I just think like, of bands that I love, I would love to see them in this context where I can hear every single little nuance and every every little imperfection even. I think it's it all kind of adds to art, in my opinion.
1: Well, I want to get into this new album from Close Talker. How do we stay sure. here?
0: Tell us about the album. What do you think of it? <laughs> what do I think of it? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm... I'm biased because I was directly involved in making it, but I I can say with confidence that it's our strongest effort to date, and I think it's it's on pace to to stand the test of time for us. And that was that was a, a big part of the criteria when we were making this record. We decided to we had a lot of conversations prior to even even playing any notes. We we talked a lot about the philosophy of this record and how we wanted to approach it. And unlike past records we've made, we decided to self-produce this one and kind of keep it close to our chest and really just depend upon the trust that we've developed with one another. So as I said, like our, our tastes and our our styles and even our language has overlapped quite a bit over the past years. So we decided to lean into that trust and self-produce. So we went into the studio and we actually kind of wrote up these, these 10 commandments that we sort of followed and uh, filtered some decisions through. So uh, one of them was have no ego or, and then another one was like protect the pleasant. So by that, we mean that just making sure that the sounds are, are catering to like, like we just wanted to make a beautiful record to be quite honest. We didn't want anything to be too shrill or too gimmicky or too, too over the top. We wanted to sort of lean into more of a quiet confidence and we didn't want to be too concerned with other people's opinions. And we wanted to, yeah, we just we really wanted to make a record that, that was, you know, a favorite record of all of ours. So we've kind of filtered everything through these decisions and pretty pleased with the outcome. I think, I think in many ways it's our simplest record. Like there's some sparseness, there's a lot of room to breathe. For example, like the first song, the first proper like pop structure song with any commercial viability at all doesn't really come into the album until like minute nine. Like we have like a three minute intro where we're just trying to set a tone and, and encourage the listener to kind of like, okay, just stop, put your feet up, pour pour a nice glass of something and just, just, you know, take a breath. And then the first song, Wait, is just kind of like, it's just part A and part B if it was a poem. There's no real chorus. It's just, it's pretty, it's kind of like a unique structure. And then, and then the record kind of starts, starts going from there. Yeah, all this to say it's it's uh it was a really special experience and we've been really pleased with how people have been connecting with it. Like we've we've preached pretty heavily that we're we're hopeful people would listen to it from beginning to end, because that's how we wrote it. That's how we planned all the sequences and transitions, and that's even how we planned for which songs were to make the record. We definitely set out to make an album and not just a collection of songs. So that was something that was kind of a unique pursuit for us cuz in the past we were young and excitable and we just wanted to the catchiest things on the record or or we wanted to you know rush to the chorus and things things like that that the industry might care about and this we just had no regard for that we just wanted to do what felt right what was instinctual and what was sincere for us so we I feel like we've kind of tapped into our artistic integrity and we're sort of just now finding our stride so it's it's pretty exciting for us is there a spiritual aspect
1: of what you guys do?
0: That's a great question. I would, I would answer yes, for sure. Again, I won't speak for my bandmates, but I, I, can, I can speak for myself that I, I am an out loud Christian. So naturally, there's going to be some fingerprints within our music. So we're, though we're not a Christian band with an agenda or anything like that, I think naturally what's most important to you as an artist is going to ooze out in your music. And, and for me, that, that uh, definitely there's no exception there. So yeah. And, and another thing in like within our music and we're often kind of chasing those moments that where it's not lost on you, that something special is happening. And usually it takes like kind of the gift of hindsight to realize like, Whoa, that was a pivotal moment in my life, or that was meaningful or time stood still at that moment or things like that. And then kind of ironic because as soon as you acknowledge those moments sometimes they become fleeting in the moment but for us as a band like music is often the medium of choice where those moments can kind of arise and this record was definitely a pursuit of that moment and i think i think it's safe to say that there's spiritual elements within those moments for sure and music's a medium of my choice when i when i'm connecting to to that spiritual realm for sure 100% I won't pull any punches so to answer your question yes for me but uh, as a band that's not necessarily an agenda of ours but it's it's definitely a consequence of just who we are and and the fact that we love music
1: <laughs> hmm and I know that you want this album to be experienced as a whole and that's mm-hmm. how I like to listen to albums but is nice. there a high point for you in this record
0: oh I'm not sure. I, I think in the live show, so this this 3D tour that we did, the show was us playing the record from start to finish. So we literally just played every song. We didn't play any old songs. It was in that sense a listening party. And I think a high in the show was a song called Carefully in the Dark, which is about the middle of the B-sides. And it... uh the whole song is kind of just a slow burn and it just builds and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So dynamically, it doesn't have these massive, massive jumps or high highs and low lows. It's just kind of a, a building crescendo. And uh, in the live show, that one, that one kind of stands out as a special, a special song that was sort of sort of felt like the climax of the show in some ways. So although it's tricky to say for certain, potentially carefully in the dark might, might act as the, the high in the record.
1: What would you say is the best thing about being Matthew Copperwood?
0: Oh my goodness, the best thing about being Matthew Copperwood. Okay, i got to give a shout out to my lovely, wonderful, beautiful, way out of my league, gorgeous wife, Janessa. <laughs> I think uh, not just because that's the classy thing to say, I think I can say with sincerity my family. So my, my wife, Janessa, is the best. Quite quite frankly, she's she's the best. And then we have a little son named Malachi, and he is also the best. So they they rival for first place in my heart. So I know it's like deflecting, but they are easily the best part of me <laughs> and the best part of my life. So anything anything I've done that's half decent is, is probably in some way, shape, or form tribute to them.
1: I always like to give the guest the stage at the end. Okay. Whoever is tuned in, and this doesn't have to be in any way limited to music, what would you say to anybody who's listening? Oh my goodness.
0: Blank canvas. That's like exciting but overwhelming. What would I say to anyone who's listening? I would say just in something that I've learned within the context of this band, which I guess has merited this phone call, is, um, is, is that uh, I think it's important, I think with anything artistic or anything where you're just naturally being vulnerable is to be cautious of how much influence you're taking from those outside of your circle. And by that, I mean, we shouldn't lose sleep or get disheartened or discouraged by the opinions of people we don't respect or, or that we wouldn't go to for advice. There's some quote I can't remember, but it was like, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't, uh, too affected by the opinion of someone you might not go for for advice Um, (laughs) just because that's something I've learned like in these I'll just I'll just pick on my generation with the internet and everything like I I don't think we're very very good at public discourse and I think we've lost the art of disagreeing without feeling threatened by one another and I think that's just like kind of nearsighted and sad and has nothing to do with music but it's something on my heart that we're so quick to just talk past each other and we want our opinion or agenda to come across so loudly that we, I feel like we're not super good at listening. So if you are taking a moment to listen to this, I would just encourage you guys to, and myself included, I'm totally preaching to myself to just err on the side of gracious and, and, um, you know, choose our words carefully, but also listen and like, and be willing to learn. And, and one thing that I've learned, cause I, I play in, in a, in the music scene, there's such a diverse group of people that all are saying something and all, it's all valid and it's all important. What I've learned is that like, okay, I, I don't know everything and I, and I'm definitely open to learn and I want to, uh, you know, I just want to have open ears. And, and even if I disagree with someone on something that I feel is important, that doesn't mean I, I should disregard the person or it doesn't mean I should not hold them in high regard or respect them. So that's something that, again, I'm just picking on my generation of if we, if we disagree with one another, we don't, you know, like that's not the end of the world. That's totally fine. I I have tons of friends that I like fundamentally disagree with and it doesn't mean that I love them any less. I'm keen to be hopefully an exception to the rule. And I think we all should, should be keen to try to just like maybe listen a tiny bit more than we talk (laughs) and uh, just still have a willingness to learn because I don't know, the internet is such a, such a scary platform where we can, we have a voice now and we can be heard and and our, our biases can come across and, and you can find and rally support. If you, if you hold any opinion, you can find a hundred people that agree with you and that they'll pump your tires. But I think just not being so threatened and so edgy towards people that disagree with you. I just think that's nearsighted. And I think that, we're all we're all flawed, and we're all humans. And I think um, whether we agree or disagree on every fact, I think we can all agree that we're all flawed and we're all humans. So let's just lean into that.
1: <laughs> very good. Anyone out there listening? If you want to find out more about Close Talker, it's CloseTalker.ca. Matt, thank you very much for being here.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Until next time za pa bi pa do
0: na ka ba lu tiki za and guzi at casa de Sega capina serbocek ye ki ponki ka
1: tik to ko kit ton ki pu be la tu ji con goodbye